morning, good morning, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. I am Kim Manson and I am the Director of Family Ministry at Caw Prairie Community Church in Lenexa, Kansas. And I have the privilege of bringing you today's message. So Dan prepped me like five months ago for this, this message. And I've been wondering and thinking and praying about what I was gonna speak about ever since then. And, and I really struggled because I didn't wanna speak specifically to mothers because you know, as you know, sitting there, the, a lot of you aren't mothers that are watching this and, and you want to, to hear a message today that applies to you. But being a mom and having a wonderful mother, I know that momming it is a really hard job and I don't want to shy away from honoring those women um, in our lives who have done and continue to do so much. So I made a compromise and I hope what I say today will speak to you in some way and provide relevance to all, um, all of you who are listening. So being a teacher at heart, I have the, um, the desire to let you know the roadmap for my message here. So I'm going to start out by addressing mothers, and then I'm going to speak to the attributes and qualities of mothers, and then I will try my best to apply the wisdom I have imparted to you and, and um, putting it somehow relevant to your life. All right. So let's start with this funny video from YouTube, this guy, Trey Kennedy, who is stereotypically acting like a mom, um, but I think you'll really enjoy it. You have a couple 89s. How are we getting that up? What are we doing? You know, I don't have a lot of sympathy for you that your throat hurts. It's because you're on that phone so much. How do I send an email attachment? Hey, sweetie. It's time you're ready for school. Wake up, okay? Breakfast will be ready. You guys, okay, I saw Hoda on the Today Show doing this new dance. I want you to teach me. I'm emailing your teacher right now. We're gonna figure it out. How many cups do you guys need? This is ridiculous. Stop using all these cups. Do you hear me? You're still not, you're still not up. I told you to get up 10 minutes ago. There goes your breakfast. There goes that. Get dressed, come on. You better do every extra credit assignment there has ever been in the history of mankind. Do you hear me? How do I follow you on Instagram? You really don't know where it is. Did you try? There it is. Your father can't find anything. It's horrible. Hey, how are you? How's the family? Is it good? Yeah, things are good. Not now, kids. I hardly slept. Your father snores like a wood chipper. Sounds like Sasquatch growling. Sounds like a cat choking on a spoon. Sounds like a chihuahua got caught in the garbage disposal. I said get up. No, now I'm- Go ask your father. Oh, so our bathroom is SeaWorld now. You guys jumping around like, how is there this much water outside of the tub? That's awesome, yeah. We, I need to see you around more. Yeah. Let's go. Text me right when you get there. What? You said I could talk to this thing? You kids are what? Hey Siri, you kids have really lost. Oh my, ugh, I need a Roomba. How do I send a GIF? Oh, get right there, I'll get in a picture of you. First day of school, you look so handsome. Here. Sweetie, grab mommy one of her uh, Dove dark chocolates. Hurry. What's a voicemail? No, my email's fine, I'm not switching to Outlook. I'm not gonna be able to figure that out. Outlook at what? <laughs> Yahoo will be fine. Oh, good morning, or should I say afternoon? Yeah, somebody slept well. Young man, here's a letter for you. I was just seeing what was in there. Young man, I got you a couple new shirts. You needed them. Try them on. Try them on, okay? If you don't like them, I'll take them back to TJ Maxx. Son, you know I can't go to sleep till I know you're home. I'm gonna be up till 4 a.m. thanks to you. Mommy needs a bath, okay? So just fend for yourselves for a while. I'm, I'm not your maid, okay? Let's start carrying our weight around here. Thank you. Look who finally decided to join us. Put your coat on. Yes, and take your other one. You never know. Hey, take it. Inside voices, please. Do you see what your son is doing? Are you watching? Young man, I swear, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. How was your little pool party? Was it fun? Yeah, you had a good time? Do you think you'd do it again? Who all was there? Name each one of them individually. That, were the girls wearing appropriate swimsuits? They were? 
They were? Good. Did you put on her sunscreen? Was Sheila's mom there? How is she? You didn't get to talk to her? Why didn't you talk to her? You should have talked to her. How was the food? You guys had some snacks? What were the snacks? What all did you guys do after? Was there a diving board? Did you jump off? Were you safe? You didn't dive, right? Was it at least eight feet? Did you dive? Tell me more. Hey, look at me when I'm talking to you. Your father snoring sounds like a chihuahua got caught in the garbage disposal. <laughs> All right, so I hope you got a giggle from that because I definitely know that I laughed out loud multiple times when I watched it and I have said and continue to say many of those things. But um, so I grew up in Kansas and I have three sisters and um, we played really well together when we were little and we are still very close today. And one of the things that we played was something called Moms. I know it's a really creative name, but we had these little dolls. They were called Magic Nursery Magic Nursery Babies, and they were our kids. And we, we had jobs, and we had husbands, and we had social lives, and it was really awesome. And I can honestly say that I feel like we played that for probably 10 years. And I'm not even going to tell you when we quit playing it, or even Barbies for that matter, because I don't want to embarrass myself or my sisters. But let's just say that dating started a little later for us, you know, so we had some time, but it's fine. Anyway, we had our lives totally planned out, right? Okay. Of course that changes when you actually have kids, right? And don't get me wrong, they're adorable, but they're not dolls. And I don't get to just call the shots and change the storyline when I feel like I want to have something a little different. When Todd and I were ready to start our family, we struggled for a little bit. I mean, your whole preteen and teenage life, you're given lots of, of ways to avoid starting your family too early, but then that should mean that when you're ready to start your family, it should work. And I know that several of you watching here can understand how I feel, but um, obviously we were able to, to start our family and we had Lillian Faye um, in August of 2010 and it was amazing. I can clearly still remember like the doctor handing her to me and just her eyes being wide open and just locked with mine and it was the coolest feeling. But I also was having a hard time reflecting on the fact that like, okay, this is good, the hard part's done, and now we can get on with our little family, right? But there was this like growing sense of anxiety inside of me, and I was just like, something's wrong. And I remember leaving the hospital, and Todd was driving, and sitting in the back seat with her, and I was crying, and I didn't know why, and I'm like, he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't know. And I just remember thinking like, how are we gonna do this? Like, how am I gonna, how am I gonna like keep her alive? And how am I gonna stay sane? And why is my body hurt in like so many different places? And it was just crazy. And it was not quite the mom's experience that I had in my youth playing with my sisters. And of course, the mom thing has come easier and easier as, as we've gotten older and, and we love our children dearly and they're really awesome. And so I do wanna take this moment to say thank you. Thank you to my mom, thank you to my mother-in-law, but also thank you to all the moms, all right? You are loved, we see you. Thank you to the stay-at-home moms, the working moms, the now moms who, who work but also stay at home because we do that now, right? Um, to the moms who are empty nesters, to the moms who are single, to the moms who are lost or estranged, to the moms who grieve from loss, and to those of you who have lost your moms, but hold them dearly in your hearts and in your minds. I also want to say thank you to the moms who aren't moms, all right? Any of you who are preschool teachers or coaches or childcare professionals, counselors or even the church moms we see you too all right even if if you're a dude we all have these qualities of moms who want to take care of people all right so 
as humans, we share these qualities and some of us have different personality traits, some of us have similar personality traits, and so no matter what gender you are or if you are raising or have raised a human, um, I feel like you'll find some value in these qualities, okay? So we're gonna start with some stereotypical like qualities I think of when people um, describe moms, okay? So we have nurturing, sweet, patient, loving, soothing, and helpful. Some atypical qualities that may be not so flattering, but are definitely true, would be controlling, taskmaster, nagging, emotional, nosy, and nervous, all right? We saw some of these in a, a lighthearted manner earlier when we were going to, um, when we were watching the video, which were, were funny at the time, but as you know, I mean, being called nagging or emotional isn't quite flattering, right? All right, I'm gonna to try to tie some of these qualities together. And I have to say that um, if any of you have ever been around a child, your own, your niece, your nephew, whatever, there are things about them that I think you would say would probably drive you insane, right? And the more I start to think about it, I'm like, why does that just drive me crazy? And I have figured out that a lot of times it's because it's just like me. Um, so for example, um, our son, Drake, he is our middle child. He's mostly compliant. He's easygoing. He's loving. He's a great little dude, okay? But I am finding um, most recently in his handwriting with uh, his schoolwork that he's got a bit of a stubborn streak. And you know, it's really easy for me to just blame that on Todd because, you know, right? It's not me, right? But it is, okay? It is. And I'm noticing that and we're butting heads about it. And I'm just like, why can't you just be this good little boy and do exactly what I want you to do? Hold the pencil with a good grip, you know, do all those things. And I see it as being really helpful to him, but he's seeing it as me telling him what to do. So what if these qualities actually tied together pretty regularly? What if being nurturing and helpful actually makes me like a taskmaster and a little bit controlling, okay? So I do wanna take a quick side note here to tell you that when um, I'm gonna read some Bible passages and I'm using the NLT, which is the New Living Translation. So in case you're wanting to follow along, I mean, you can read them on the screen, but if you're wanting to follow along, know that um, that's the version I'm using. And of course, words are gonna differ from various versions. So just wanted to give you a heads up on that. But I do want to start out with a story about Jesus and his mom. And this is from the book of Mark, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And it says, One time Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. And then, of course, later in chapter 3, in verses 31 through 35, we hear it say this. Then Jesus's mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Now, I'm not telling you this because I'm not saying like, well, Jesus was a bad boy because he didn't go home when, or come out when they asked him to, but because really, you know, we know Jesus never disobeyed. At least he never disobeyed God the Father, okay? He might have done some things that uh, were a little bit 
frustrating to, you know, people that were well-meaning and trying to help. But the reason I bring this point up is because if I were Mary, his mom, or one of his siblings, I would definitely be like, all right, you're going around, you're healing these people, you're stirring up angst among the authorities, and I would probably get a little bit controlling of Jesus as well. You know, of course, I would see this as being helpful, but I would say something like, you know, how about you just come back home for a little bit? Let's just let things simmer down here, okay? Let your friends go back, do what they were doing, and then you can come back, do that job we were teaching you, just be a carpenter like your dad. I'll make your favorite meals, all right? <laughs> Right. So how many of you have, with your children or your nieces and nephews, have you tried to plan their future, right? Um, my brother-in-law has a little endearing adage about our, um, our four-year-old son, Reese, where, you know, it's not totally appropriate for me to share here, but basically this kid is going places in life and he is, he is just like a bull in a china shop and he's adorable, he's amazing. Um, but you know, there is something about it that he's gonna be somebody who goes somewhere someday. And, and I, I wonder to myself, you know, when will I stop, you know, kind of putting that onto him? When will it be like, he just is who he is and maybe his personality will change. But in my mind, it's like, oh no, but this is how you should be because it's how you always were. So when does that become controlling, right? So let's move on to the next set of qualities that we have here. And that is what if being sweet and loving could come off as being emotional and nervous, okay? So I, in the Bible, we have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in two of these gospels, um, there's some explanation and, and accounts of the birth of Jesus. And so Luke is a very popular version, which most of us hear at Christmas time. And so that is the version that I'm going to use today. So this is in Luke chapter two, verses 16 through 19. I'm going to share that with you here. All right. So they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And then all who heard the shepherd's stories were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Later, okay, so this is a little bit later in Luke, at verse 33 it starts, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. So, we have one more verse here. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Mary already had an unusual experience with the whole baby thing and the fact that, you know, the angel is telling you that you're going to have this baby and you must name him Jesus because he's the son of God and he's going to save all these people. I mean, that's got to just get your emotions flowing, okay? I don't know about you, but especially in verse 35, if someone told me that, like, my child would cause a sword to just pierce my very soul, I would be very, very concerned. And my postpartum brain would go into this, like, tailspin of, like, what? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to my child? What's going to happen to me? I mean, like, are they going to fall and chip their tooth? Are they going to choke on the grape because I didn't slice it in half lengthwise? I mean, what, what could possibly happen? I mean, in Mary's case, never mind even thinking about totally leaving your child in a city and not even realizing he's not with you for a couple of days. I mean, come on. It's like a motion city. I feel like I envision Mary like treasuring these things in her heart in like a very sweet and enduring way, but I just can't believe that she didn't have like a twinge of nervousness in there. 
I mean, like, what are you going to say? These random people come to this cave where you've had your baby and they're like, man, we were told by these angels about him. And then years later in, in the city, these people are like, God is telling me to prophesy about your child. I just... I just can't, I just can't imagine what that would feel like. It sounds like Emotion City. And honestly, even if you've never had children, you, you can all relate to feeling emotional and nervous about a loved one in your life. You know, sometimes I think this could look like being emotional and nervous. All right, so finally, what if being soothing and patient actually comes across as being nosy and nagging, okay? One of my favorite parts in the clip that we watched was when he's asking like 40 questions about the pool party and, the, and like, I can totally see myself do this when I was younger, um, well, and now probably too, and my family can tell you that I'm a question asker, okay? My dad used to rib me about how many more questions I was going to ask. And, you know, it could be seen as nosy, right, a little bit. But it's just my way of controlling the situation by, like, just having all of the facts that I know about what's going on, okay? Um, so we're going to move on to the wedding at Cana, and we're going to maybe find out how Mary might have been a little bit poking around here, okay? So this is in the book of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed some of his power and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. So I have to say, I can like see this like playing out in real time and being like, you got this calm and patient Mary that's just like, hey, Jesus, come on, come on, honey, you know, you know, you need to do what you need to do. And he's like, mom, stop, stop, mom. And she's like, all right, just do whatever he tells you to do. Okay. And then <laughs> she knew that she needed to, she knew he was special, right? So she knew she wanted to intervene. Okay. But then he's finally like, fine, fine, I'll do it. Okay. So he does what he does. And then of course I see them leaving and her just kind of sweetly grabbing his arm and being like, see, I told you, you could do it. Right. <laughs> I mean, come on, like how many times have we intervened in our child's or sibling's or friend's life and let them know what we think that they should do? Moms are fixers and our method of fixing things is the best way, right? Of course, I'm being a little bit, a little bit uh, silly there, okay, a little sarcastic. All right, trying to wrap it all together here, okay? Being raised Lutheran, I feel very compelled to ask you the question, what does this mean? Um, tangent, if you know what I'm referring to, you probably have some sort of experience with Luther's um, small catechism, and you might have memorized part of it in your youth. Um, but if you don't know what I'm talking about, basically Martin Luther um, basically wants you to know exactly what he means 
before you leave the book so there's like no more questions. Like what does this mean he wants you to know? So I'm going to attempt to give you some relevant takeaways. And I know that some of you might be thinking, well, Kim, I really like your stories and I, I like to hear the Bible, but what does this mean to me? All right, maybe you're not a mother. Maybe you're a mother who struggles with the typical like mom thing and you feel a little bit ashamed by it. Or maybe you're a mom who's like really killing it and you're like amazing at it, but then sometimes you feel a little bit insecure. So let me put all of them into a nice little package for you. So in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, it says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then, of course, it says in verse 28, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So, of course, we are all made in God's image. Okay, We all have these qualities. God has given us the ability to feel and to 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 know what these qualities feel like, all right? And then he asks us to be fruitful and multiply. I, I think we can all understand the multiply part. It's like how people become mothers and fathers anyway, right? But what about this fruitful part, okay? What does this mean? In KP Kids, which is our kindergarten through third grade children's ministry um, that we have downstairs on Sunday mornings, in the kindergarten through third grade group, we like to sing this song about the fruits of the Spirit. And so if you get a chance, go to our YouTube channel and there's a playlist there for kids, or it should be in the notes section here. There's playlists there um, and you can watch it. It's a very silly song, but we really enjoy it. So I want to share with you, though, that in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, it says this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I can hardly do that without wanting to do the motions, but it is just ingrained deeply into my brain. So when we have a relationship with Jesus and when we let his um, reign just help to reign in our obedience in our lives and, and develop God's call and will, we start to hear the whispers or sometimes it shouts from the Holy Spirit that are showing us to become more fruitful. We all need to cultivate and grow these fruits in our lives. And so when I look back at the qualities I've spoken about today, I find these three to be the most relatable qualities. We need to be gentle, we need to have peace, and we need to demonstrate faithfulness. So where does gentleness come in? I find it in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 11 through 12. But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. So through perseverance, we develop gentleness. We learn like children to be gentle. I don't know how many times I've said that in my life, especially when kids are little and they just wanna grab and pull and all those things. So it's be gentle. It takes practice, it takes repetition. And when we start to show signs of being a taskmaster or controlling, we really wanna be nurturing and helpful. We just need to you know, put ourselves in that adult timeout and, and practice some gentleness. So how do I sound when I'm trying to be helpful? Is it coming across as helpful or is it coming across as being a taskmaster? 
Okay, so then where does peace come from? And I find that in Philippians 4, verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So this is the love that we feel for, you know, your, your child, your family, your friends, which is like that deep feeling is every fiber of your being. And, and it's bound to develop some sort of nervousness, some sort of emotion in us. And, and we need to remember that even though we love them dearly, God calls us to not fret and worry. And instead he calls us to let the peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand, guard our hearts and minds. Something that I struggle with a lot is worry. And um, we have a, a group here called Followers Made. It's a same gender, six month discipleship study that um, I've gone through twice now. And through that, I have learned and practiced um, obedience in the area of worry. And I'm still not perfect at it. But you know, the mental takeover that I play in my mind when I'm trying to back myself out of the worry pit is like a mother's hug that makes the owie better, okay? I just visualize a complete wraparound hug of Jesus and let his overwhelming peace be with me. I try to replace the old overwhelming feelings of panic with the new overwhelming feelings of peace and it actually works. And you know, depending on the situation, it takes a lot of hugging from Jesus, okay? We hug for a real long time and, and continually, but honestly, it does help keep my mind and my heart focused on him and it helps me stay off the struggle bus. So where does faithfulness come in? When I have the desire to insert myself into situations where I'm not needed in order to be um, avoid being nosy and nagging, I need to form this desire to not meddle and to practice some patience. Most adults and children, for that matter, have this innate ability to, you know, see a situation and stop it before something bad happens. So please don't hear me say that I'm asking you to watch the danger occur in front of you. Of course not. Okay, but I do think there are several times when there's a safe learning experience happening that we need to watch people fail and we need to be there to help them get back up and to try again. This is in fact what God does for us and I find this in Lamentations chapter 3 verse 23. Great is his faithfulness, his mercies begin afresh each morning. You know, each morning is an opportunity to try again. So be sure to stop yourself before you make the comment for the 40th time in two hours about something that's not done or something you think should happen. And maybe before you start to tell your, you know, your whoever about your mom or your sibling or your child that's just driving you crazy, remember that God gives each of us the faithfulness to expect a new day to come and another chance to follow his lead. And so we should support others in practicing that and, and that develops that faithfulness in all of us. So as I conclude, I'm going to quote Kermit the Frog, who says, it's not easy being green. And I am going to say that it's not easy being a lot of things, okay? It's not easy being a mother. It's not easy being a parent or a caregiver. It's not easy being a friend or a, a sibling or an employee or an employer, for that matter. However, with some, new, some faith in each new day, some gentleness toward one another, and peace in which we cannot explain, we can move forward in loving like God intended us to. And honestly, how our moms and anyone who loves us always hoped that we would love each other. So thank you for joining me. I would love to pray. Would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this day. Um, I just thank you for all the mothers out there and all of those who aren't mothers, have never been, or who aren't, um, who hold them deeply in their hearts, Lord. I, um, 
I thank you for that. Thank you for the system that you've set up that we can experience that joy and love with each other. And please, Lord, please just be with us. Help us to be gentle. Help us to be patient and help us to have faithfulness and just experience the love that you have for us each and every day. Um, I ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so thank you for joining me. Uh, I wish I could actually see you in person, but you know, that's not happening quite yet. Don't forget that we have links to the student and children's lessons, and it should be like in the notes tab of the chat that we have there. Um, it's also on our website and our Facebook page, so make sure you go see that. We also have these awesome small groups that have started, so if you're interested in connecting with us during the week, um, also go to our website, go to our Facebook page. We have lots of cool um, groups that you can join. Most of them you can kind of join in and out of whenever you have a chance to. They're pretty low entry, which is really exciting. And it's just a really good opportunity for everybody to get together. Um, and then also, I hope that you have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful Mother's Day. And thank you again for joining me. God bless you. Stay well. <laughs>